You're listening to Talking Tunes, and joining me online today is Carl Brown. How you doing, Carl? Not so bad at all. How are you doing? Oh, good, thank you. Good, good, good. So we're talking tunes, and we're starting off with Space Report. This is the thing I do to you, mate. Space Report I can do, but what's the name of the artist is the question. Poborosk? <laughs> Poborsk. B-O-R in there. It's Poborsk. Right. I don't know if there's some special way of pronouncing it. I think he's uh, French, perhaps. I would guess Poborsk. Thought we'd take it nice and easy to start out with this one. Nice, mellow tune, you know? Yeah, it's mellow. I've got a confession about this tune as well. I love all Pobosk, and I've been listening to Pobosk for so long, and there's some great stuff out there. But when I was uh, looking for which tune to choose, I realised there's, <laughs> there's a whole album I haven't heard yet. So what we're hearing now is the third time I've heard this tune. All right. Because <laughs> I thought the decision process is quite tricky for people, in that some people find it tortuous. Yeah. And you're like, this is something you just do twice, three times now. This is a fourth, so there we go. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that sounds like it's really flippant, but it's like, uh, when I heard this, I knew, right, it's got the exact sort of stylings that he does. Everything's really detailed. Everything's really layered. And I was like, yes, this is the one. You know, I, I could go for, you know, some of my favorite albums of his. There's like two really special albums. There's Gradient Scene and there's uh, Waiting for Junior. Both of them are about like 10, 8 years old. And then this is bang up today and it's still doing exactly the same thing. But it's just got this sort of beautiful style of just microscopic things going on, layering and just building always. Cool. I'm going to be blunt with you. I mean, I'm just going to cut into this now and just ask you how do you spell Gabba? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I know. It should be ER, right? I know what you're saying. Okay, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. All right. But, like, I think there's Dutch Gabba, right? Yes. And so that is, I think, BBA. No, Gabba is G-A-B-B-E-R. You ask any Dutch person, that is how you spell Gabba. Oh, right. Wherever you are. Okay, so the B-A is just nonsense. Someone in the UK spelt it with a B-A, and then it's just one of those mistakes that's been perpetuated, and it's like my life's ambition to, to point it out every time. I'm happy to perpetuate that mistake. <laughs> but someone once said to me, well, no, Gabba with a B-A is tongue-in-cheek. Yes. It's the fun type of Gabba, not the serious Australian's tracksuit and way too much cocaine Gabba. Perfect. Yes. Well, the thing is, Tesco Valley Gabba, not much of it is real Gabba. I mean, it's all kind of like hardcore, but it's all kind of like there's a bit of breakcore and jungle thrown in there, and it's far too kind of cut and paste into different sections to be considered Gabba, I think. So I, I don't know what I was doing. I just I had this little montage of, of things on my fireplace at the time and I was making all these like silly hardcore tracks. One of these little tiles was like Tesco value and I just thought, well, okay, Gabba. And I think I just made it up really quickly, put it all together and it was like, yeah, that's that's a thing now. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm working on. Perfect, perfect. So you go by the name Carl Brown, I mean, apart from the Tesco Value Gabba, go by the name Carl Brown, you never decided to go, I assume that's your real name by the way. Yeah. But you never gone with a non de plume or an artist name or something? Yeah, I used to have a few. So when I first started making music, I used the name someone else. And for ambient stuff, I used the name Landscape Android. And then I got like, I think there was a few projects of different, different styles or like reasonably different. And I sort of messed around with the idea of like all these uh, aliases and like, you know, Apex does it and all these people do it. And I just think like, hang on a second. I mean, they can all be different styles with different projects and ways of making them, but it, it doesn't matter. They don't all need different names. So I just thought, oh, to hell with it. I couldn't think of any other names, so I went with my name. That was quite a quiet pause there. It always freaks me out because I was like, hey, what, what, what went wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, now we're on to another tune, Badun, Bad, Badun, Badun. Yeah, that's what I call it, Badun. 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 Maybe we're an emphasis on the dun, Badun. I don't know. Badun. Maybe we have to find out where the person's from. Yeah. 
Tandori Tentacle. What we're going on here with this uh, acid jazz sort of electronica type of thing? Man, yeah, they've got a lot of things going on. Similar in this EP to the Popovsk in that it's just very detailed and but also very, it just sort of breathes very nicely. It's very organic. There's like tech things going on, there's jazz things going on, and it's just a really lovely melty mess, but not really a mess, you know, very well, well put together. But yeah, these guys, they've got so many albums in different styles, but they're kind of cohesive in some way. Some of their albums are really out there and don't make any sense at all. But this is sort of early-ish Budun, and uh, it's, just a, it's just a gorgeous little EP. Dubstep tempos, but lots of techness. I guess it must be Baden because it's from Denmark. Yeah, that's the one. I, I was thinking Dutch, but yeah, Denmark, yeah. yeah I always like the idea as well, you know, that you can be influenced by your surroundings. I'm just thinking Tesco's, Tandoori. That sounds like my dinner from 10 minutes ago, <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, well... How, what you're saying, your, your your dinner has influenced the choices which I made before your dinner. <laughs> which way around is it going? Yeah, that's very. Uh, what's that guy called? Darren Brownish, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. But then when? But yeah, yeah. But then would it be that I chose these tracks, which then influenced your dinner? Who is in control here? Well, see, my wife made the choice of dinner, so. Ah, uh, well, I influenced her. Perhaps who knows. But uh, just just for the sake of the listeners out there, uh, this interview was delayed by an hour because Tesco's were late delivering the food and I had a microwave curry for my dinner. There we go. The, the little minuate of like everyday life. Minuate? I thought it was minutia. Like it's spelt really weirdly, right? But it's minutia, I'm sure. Minuate, yeah. Oh my God, are you going to correct my homework as well? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what did you have for dinner? Oh, I had a lovely thing. I've been getting into linguine recently. So spaghetti's all good and everything, but linguine just takes it to another level. And uh, Mm -hmm. they had these uh, vegan meatballs and uh, some mushrooms and pesto. It was great. Oh, nice. I always love that vegan fake meat stuff because you always expect it to be like, yeah, it's good. But then you eat it, especially when you give it to someone and they don't even realize it. And like, oh, that meat was delicious. What was it? Was it was it beef? Was it pork? It's come on leaps and bounds like over the years. I had a I had one of the McDonald's McPlants the other day as well. Well, I had I've had a couple actually since they came out. They're really really believable. Good stuff. Talking tunes, Tandori Tentacle. Why'd you pick this tune? What is it you like about it? I really loved uh, Baden's first album, which is like a bit more upbeat and like jazzy than this. But this little EP just always just sits nicely on getting on with things, reading that sort of stuff. It captures like enough attention when you pay attention to it, but it also just like melts away into the background very easily. It's just a gorgeous piece. All four of the pieces on that little four track are great. Nice bit of atmospheric. Meanwhile, the typing in the background is me typing up minutia. Is minutia such a word? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. (laughs) I think you're right. I think I'm going to have to give up my Googling. You're going to keep that in? (laughs) I can't spell it either, so there we go. Hmm. But great words you can make up yourself, right? Yeah, of course. It sounded fine. Unless, yeah, unless you've got someone to correct you. (laughs) I think made up words are the best. Yeah, I love them. No, I genuinely do love them. My, one of my favourites is, uh, you know, like the word havoc. Yeah. Me and my friend turned it into an adjective of havocious. Oh, stuff's just getting too havocious in here. Yeah, it's too crazy. Causing lots of havoc, yeah. And then also hecticity. General hecticity of the situation, you know. Yeah. So, before we talk all the way through this tune, which I want to foist it upon you to pronounce. So, hang on, this, that's three in a row now that you've got me to pronounce. Well, you've picked these weird ones, man. I mean, you know, what can I do? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Grisha Lichtenberger, or Lichtenberger? Lichtenberger, I think, yeah. Sounds German, right? Uh, yeah, he lives in Berlin, I believe. And uh, yeah, he's like, okay, so obviously he sounds like Ortecker, but I'm like the biggest Ortecker fan, but he tends to do things which just, they're a bit more focused in their approach. He's like an artist in many forms of the word. He's visual and sort of video and just very artistic-y person, I, I guess, and, and, and also in writing. And I'd love to see one of his shows one day. Uh, I just think the way he puts everything together is, is very pleasing to the ear, which I mean, you could say that about any music. <laughs> but like, there's something about this. Ortecker's tracks of late, and I say this with the greatest admiration for them, have sometimes become about 20 minutes too long and i think that fans wanted that right the fans wanted to have their long old sessions which you know they get to hear the track kind of the explorations of how it all sort of came together but i kind of missed that focus and uh this guy's got it 
on what the music is right i mean it depends what sort of mood you're in where you are etc etc right like i think if you were in a particularly chilled out mood let's say this sort of music brings up mental visualizations of goodness knows what and you can sort of drift away to it like you know I, I just always find it very textural, by which I mean physical touch textures. Like everything Grisha, uh, Grisha does, just uh, yeah, feel little things between your fingers and, and like little shards of glass and bouncy balls and all, all that kind of stuff. And he's gone for an Aphex Twin style naming convention, CLVB2 underscore V2. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. I've had enough of all that. Like, why do people do it? I guess the impression you get is that, oh, there's hundreds of tracks, there must be so many that there's like CLVA to V4, but like, what, what is it about? You just want to give them a sort of air of an, 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 anonymity. an anonymity. Fair, it's contagious. Anonymousness. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess is the idea. Or, or maybe, I mean, you tell me, right, as an artist when you're making music, Gorshit was saying that, you know, when you're making music that's got no lyrics, you can call a track whatever you want. Mm. Uh, and then as an artist, when you're naming stuff, how do you name stuff? And then maybe this guy is like, oh, I don't know, CLVB, and then there was a version one and then there was a version two? Could be. It could be. It could be as simple as that. But then when you, when you finish that, do you not then feel, I mean, would, would he not then feel that it should be kind of made into something else? I, I don't know, or, or turned into some kind of other idea like verbally I don't know which is the name of this track <laughs> so if you go to Grisha's website his website is very minimalistic it's like purest version 1 HTML yeah so I think he's got that you know raw techno aesthetic style going on but now we got something a lot more funkier we've got some normal music section here with uh, Mockad yeah This is like a six track EP and this is all they've ever made and it's quite hard to track down in trying to get the track for you for today's session through whatever means like you can't find it very easily basically it doesn't come up very easily and everyone I've introduced it to who likes funk has said that is some funky shit and it's just beautifully produced it's sort of it's got the 70s feel but then like with like bang up to date production and like glorious playing like incisive like interesting lyrics it's just everyone everyone's just on their top game throughout and i looked into like the musicians behind it it seems to be a sort of side project of one of them and i, I wasn't really into like his, his his main stuff um, it was very different from this and so it just stands alone if you look if you try and look it up there's just a couple of clips on like daily motion of them rehearsing one day and uh and that's all you've got i'm having a quick Quick, uh, quick Google. This came out on CD and mini disc. Weird. Did it now? Yeah, and uh, it's actually 2000, 2012. Glorious. Cool. I always like that when people sort of capture a sound of a bygone era, but actually do real justice in the recreation, like you know. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do now. Well, I'm trying to do it with a bunch of projects I've got going on at the moment. So uh, I do love making electronic music, obviously, but with, with, with some of the things I'm doing, I'm trying to you know, make, I've made a prog rock album, uh, like a funk album, which, you know, can't match this. But in, in spirit, that's what I'm trying to do and just make music by electronic means. That sounds like, you know, bands or, or other types of musicians, string quartets, whatever, uh, because it's now possible, just like with the, uh, the vegan meets things have come on leaps and bounds and it's possible to i just i'm in heaven i'm a musical heaven and i'm making things now just being able, i can make like stuff that's very very convincingly from the 30s and, and like it's like jazz and it's just it's just glorious bye, 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 bye. 
when our good friend Sam Fez said, oh, you should talk to Carl Brown. I jumped straight on the opportunity and I got straight onto you as well. So whenever I see your stuff, you know, I see the name, what I always like is when I see something like that, and I'm like, I know it's going to be good, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Great, okay, well, that's cool. If I said to you, oh, Apex Twin has got a new album out, you almost half know what it's going to be before you even play, do you know what I mean? Oh, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of, obviously, variability there. There's, like, the, the prepared piano pieces and, and other stuff he does, and, you know, the SoundCloud dump, that hundreds of tunes. There's a lot of variation there, but I, I get what you mean. Like, yeah, I am definitely r- trying to reach out to do, like, things that sound like, not like me, but they always end up sounding like me somehow, at least that's what friends say. Yeah, because you got the release out, or it's actually, I see it's actually coming out on Love Love, the Koto album. So basically, if you think that my music's varied from what you've heard, the stuff I've made within the last year, which has been like one of the most productive years of my life, is like five times as, as varied in terms of like the styles I've got going on now. It's just got to a stage where I'm able to kind of do things based on like little whims of like, what if, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's what I love. I see it's where it's going on vinyl. Not too much of a plug, but it's going on vinyl there, so the vinyl album. No, is it an EP or an album? It's like half an hour long, I think. I half an hour's an EP. Not that anybody really knows the difference these days. Like, what is an EP? Do you know? The days of vinyl are long gone. It's a ridiculous format, isn't it? Extra play. Well, extra to what? A single. <laughs> extra play should sound like a really long album, shouldn't it? Like, extra play. Which is longer, extra play or long play? Long play. Talking about, like, theoretically. That's what LP stands for, right? Long player versus extra player. Well, yeah, long plays are longer, but should they be in terms of language? I think extra play sounds longer because it's extra, but then long is long. It does, doesn't it? It's extra. Shit, I've just come full circle. Extra to what, though? I mean, you need a frame of reference. There's no short play, is there? Well, yeah, they're 12-inch. But they're not called short plays. Yeah, but they're just a 12-inch, so a single... Then we just then we just go into inches. What have we done? We've... But an LP is 12 inch. Oh bloody hell! Comes out on November 12th. November 12th. Sam sent me the uh, promo to that. Uh, I had a bit of it on the radio as well already. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic, man. As usual. Oh, cheers, cheers. I think it all sort of came together nice. I don't know, I'm, I, I hadn't made music for a while before that point. And then during lockdown, I, was, uh, I ended up staying at my girlfriend's university and got back into making music in a, in a big way, made like a, a big funk project. And then, uh, yeah, I started talking to the Love Love guys and they were looking for some electronic stuff. And I, uh, I went for it and it all came together pretty quickly. And yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with the, the yeah, as a whole, really, you know. Oh, fantastic. It's nice to have something vinyl. I'm, I'm not like, okay, I shouldn't say this. I'm not like the world's biggest vinyl fan. I've never been a vinyl connector, collector or anything. And uh, I just always found it like kind of cumbersome. I'm like such a digital guy and like having like a big old collection of like high quality flak files. And although now it's mostly streaming, but you know, but yeah, vinyl, if you love vinyl, there it is. It's on white vinyl. It's taken an age to get pressed. Like, God, it's, it's been forever. <laughs> Brexit, COVID and the usual Wherever you want to blame it on, absolutely, yeah. And and uh, HMV repressing all the the uh, Led Zeppelin albums and Queen albums. Yeah, well. yeah. So kids can pay forty quid for something they could pick up a carpet for a fiver. Indeed, when they should be buying Koto acid, of course. Yes. Oh, so that's what the Japanese is, the acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at the little, I think it's katakana writing, like, I always think it's funny, like, one of the little symbols looks like a little happy acid face, which is a nice little bonus for me.
we now? What are we listening to? Oh my goodness. Yeah, we're on to, uh, yeah, we're up to Alan Hawkshaw and it's over. Hawkshaw unfortunately died oh, a week or so ago, but he, you know, made so many like TV themes and, and wonderful things that like, everyone knows, like the countdown theme and, and stuff like that. But he was part of library music and library music is a sort of alternate universe of, of, of albums. For example, that album was just called Synthesizer and Percussion. And they're all like things just made for TV or made for film. Well, probably just TV, but, um, and, and, and it's great getting into those. You just, it's a treasure trove, an endless treasure trove of like weird little ditties and, and, and goings on. This one, John Camel Farah, is that how you pronounce this one? John Camille Farah, yeah. John Camille Farah. I'm struggling with all of these. Jeannie Dervish. Gingy. Gingy Dervish. I don't know how it's pronounced. That, that's bullshit. I don't know. Gingy Dervish, I would guess, yeah. It's cross between chip tune and some Arabic style. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's an organ player. He plays a lot of like um, classical organ and. This is from his first album, which is a lot more rough and ready than what he sort of has, has got into now. His, his newest stuff is uh, a lot more polished and he's like a fantastic uh, piano composer. Sort of specializes in strange dissonant chords that shouldn't work but do and just very expansive like use of, of the, the entire like spectrum of, of the piano. And then, but going back to this, this feels like he's like early kind of experiments, like the way the beats are cut and like the, 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 the simplicity of the production, but it's a banger. It's an absolute banger and I don't think he'll come back to it again. And is this the sort of music you're listening to day to day, stuff you're listening to for inspiration? Like where does this fit in your daily diet of music? I don't know. I don't know when I listen to it. I, I know, I, I think, okay, this is getting towards the kind of stuff where, you know, if I'm having some drinks with friends and we're, we're wanting some like electronic bangers, this is getting into that category. There'll be more later of like the harder style bangers, but this is certainly getting there. And it's just lovely to hear like Arabic tuning with that kind of bass and those kind of breaks. It's just like really refreshing and similar to some stuff that Secret Chiefs 3 uh, do, which is another one of my loves. There's a lot to listen to in this. It's a beautiful, beautiful tune. Like, yeah. And again, I, what I always absolutely love is stuff that I haven't heard before or is quite different from stuff I've heard before. Well, yeah, I mean, like, how I found this was I mean, I, there's a guy, Wasim, who ran the Centrifuge Net label, which is when, when my first like net releases were on. And I was playing a, a few gigs in Berlin. And we were staying in this old uh, this concrete building and he introduced me to this. And it just, yeah, it blew my mind then. And it still kind of does. It's just, just really nice. I'm trying to place what year this was made. Hmm. I, 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 I can't remember. I was guess I would guess 2008 or something like that. Do you know? Quite timeless. Yeah, this is the problem. Some of these tracks, uh, I'm looking it up now as well. It's not coming up on Discogs, so no, I don't know. <laughs> it is. It is on Discogs. It's uh, unfolding, and it was 2009. And I've just found by looking at that that there was a an earlier album which I I've never heard. Uh, so I will be looking that up. Oh, and it's on Bandcamp. There we go. Is it? Cool. What creation is on Bandcamp? No, no, no. John Camille Farrar is on Bandcamp. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was our mellow section. We're getting towards IDM-ish, would you call this IDM? Yeah, it's sort of IDM with some breakcore infusions and lots and lots of lovely melody. I was watching this video the other day and someone was talking about the difference between IDM and EDM. Yeah. Which obviously worlds apart, right? And uh, they were saying IDM is intelligent dance music. And the person was saying, well, that's quite pretentious, isn't it? It is. It's wanky. But apparently it's artificial intelligence dance music. That's not true. It's music for com computers and robots. And when they said artificial intelligence dance music, hmm, 
Yeah, but I mean, when was that term like originated? I know that Warp had that series called Artificial Intelligence back in the uh, mid 90s, but I really don't think AI was like as part of the naming of the genre. Well, futuristic. I mean, yeah, it, but I think it's more like it was probably that pretentious sort of or intelligent dance music. You know, it's not just duff duff. It's it's lots of beats and interesting things. There was a period as well, as you say, in the 90s, of like intelligent drum and bass and intelligent hardcore and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. Uh, is it intelligent or is it just better than pop? It's <laughs> the so way nowadays a lot of these genres are calling themselves future something or other, like future bass, future house, future whatever the fuck, like, you know? Yeah, future bass, yeah. That's going to age well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it worked well for Future Sound of London, right? Oh, they are great, yeah. I do love those, yeah. So Gareth Clark Imago, Imago? I don't know. I don't know how it's pronounced. I should do, but I don't. Have I run out of my level of corrections and are you just going to say I don't know when you know secretly I'm wrong? No, I genuinely don't know. Okay. I don't know what this is. I don't know what is what is it. Whether it's from like a, hmm. a language that I should know, but it's not. But yeah, I, I, I mean Gareth Clark is right up on the the pinnacle for me uh, of the balance between beautiful melodies, amazing production, interesting rhythmic ideas, and just just bringing everything together. I just I find his stuff glorious. And uh, me and my friends sort of uh, found him on like an old file sharing program like years and years back and we've been sort of speaking to him sporadically ever since and I've been lucky enough to sort of meet up with him, play gig with him way back in the day but I'm still just in awe as, as uh, you know, what he does. You can say Soulseek without getting, uh, getting the podcast banned. Yeah, well, I mean, now, is it even is it even popular now? I don't know. It's still very good. Apparently so. Some people still use it, yeah? I, I use it. I mean, you know, for today's show, you've got to get hold of these tracks and some of them, like the mock ads, like, how are you going to get that? So... I'm a computer nerd. Well, I can't get Soulseek to set up because it's something to do with firewalls and the callback firewall or whatever. I can never get the pretty thing set up. Call yourself a nerd. <laughs> I used to have it back in the day, you know, back in the 90s or whatever, but... Um, I don't know, my new computer, I just can't get sorting to work. Oh really? I don't know, I've not come across that difficulty. Are you, you, you're not a Mac guy, are you? Hell no. <laughs> okay then, right, when that's that one down. I don't know what the difficulty is, but let's not get into tech yeah, support yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Clark is he used to delete a lot of his stuff and when me and my old friend were sort of fanboying over his his early stuff there was a time I always used to joke where we had more Gareth Clark than he did himself because <laughs> uh, he just sort of seemed so oh no it's nonsense it's not good but I loved it still do and uh, you know I, ho I hope he does continue making music because he's always stopping and starting but it's just it's just fantastic yeah you were saying you were gigging with a guy oh this was a very long time ago yeah I've sort of met up with him on little occasions but not for a long time I think the last time was a bang face a weekender mm -hmm. uh, not the recent one but like probably 2016 15 something like that but I'm going again finally this uh, next coming year 2022 2022 yeah you your tickets already yeah yeah I got them just just in time oh god that was a bit of a yeah oh man but yeah I'm, I'm taking my, my girlfriend she's never been to a, like a bang face before so that's really exciting for me and just like seeing all the names and we're going to see Square Push at this Friday as well lots of exciting stuff finally the joys of living in the UK eh not like here in Ireland where it's uh, not very much happening at all mmm yeah I'm sorry I'm just looking at my posters. So 2016, was that Tesco Value Gabba or was that Carl Brown? I think it was 2015. I don't know, but I actually, I'm on the bill as both names. Uh, I don't know if they realised it was the same person, but I did play twice under different names. 
Oh, I see Techno Value Gabba, 15. Yeah, and then Carl Brown should be there next to C-Fax. Carl Brown, there you go, yeah, next to C-Fax. <laughs> it's not quite alphabetical order. Yeah, one of my proudest things, just being on that twice, you know? Good stuff. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw that poster in 2015 when I was first on it and not even looking for my own name. I was so in awe of being on the lineup. I didn't even bother looking for my name in the, in the smart lineup. It wasn't until some people pointed it out. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing that smile thing. You know, it's just, it's a really nice little design, and yeah, it makes me smile. I just, I love blank face. Where are we now, anyway? Uh, in terms of music. Oh, where are we now? We're in Vatex. Yeah, we're into outer space. Vatex, aka Rob Clouth, is a, a sound wizard. And uh, again, it was my friend that got speaking to him online, I think, and, and, and we got into these first tracks he did as Vatex. I, I believe he's not making any more Vatex stuff now, which is all this like super oh, swishy, swelly. Uh, just these the, the way these sounds are just like punching and gurgling just such a so good just such good manipulation all, all, all the way through but now his stuff as rob clouth is more popular i think and and, and is, is super good as well super kind of like exploratory interesting palettes interesting like rhythms going on always like weird like um rhythmic stuff he's doing but this is just like heavy, beautiful, like ear candy. Not ear candy in like a sort of uh, K-pop. No, no, that's not it. <laughs> J-pop, I don't know. Not sweet, but just like dirty ear candy. That sounds gross. <laughs> Whoops. You never know, your mum might be listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love dirty ear candy. But then, look, we've got we've got actual beautiful candy here now. Look, the, these melodies are just like that, that little like timbre and the way it plays out, the construction, the compression, like every little click. It's all very meticulous and very beautiful. I never really get minimalistic stuff myself. I never see what the appeal is. No, I I, I I couldn't get into. I mean, this is you. I mean, this isn't minimal, minimalist, right? Someone that likes breakcore. Yeah, this is minimalist to me. Yeah, but like in terms of the sound palette, it's like it's like very smashy and like there's a lot of like sound manipulation going on. I think this is quite maximalist in a way. All right. Maybe the that little bit where it fell apart for a bit and it's just that those sine waves and, and and that was sort of minimal. But yeah, I never got into minimal stuff until maybe a few years ago. And then as part of my insane like productivity year, I made a minimal technical album in, in a week, one every night. <laughs> and uh, I really got into it. I really enjoyed it. I guess when I'm saying minimal, I'm thinking not a banger, as in it's not a dance floor smasher. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we're, yeah, bringing it down a level, yeah. Like you couldn't dance to this, could you? I think you could. I, I, I would. I, I have done. Well, maybe if he's doing loads of LSD, perhaps. <laughs> no, I, I, sober as a, what's the opposite of a kite? Judge, I think, isn't it? Sober as a judge, isn't it? So yeah, okay. I was thinking of like literally what is the opposite of a kite, which doesn't make any sense. An anvil, like, you know, something really heavy that's weighed down and not going to go anywhere. Sober as an anvil. I've gone to see this guy and danced and in my house I have danced. Look, now we're into like some actual like dancey beats. This is this is what he does. He takes something that's, that was very kind of like possibly abstract in, in rhythm and just brought it all, somehow crunched it all into a 4-4 a four, four beat. And here we are. Almost going into Electro House. Yeah. And I do love the bass, bass on this as well. It's pretty safe. Yeah, absolutely.
SoundCloud. How did we get to the topic of SoundCloud? Because you were telling me earlier, you were talking about the founder of SoundCloud. I was. You can't deny it. Yeah. One of the founders is Force, uh, Eric Volforce, and he makes music under the name Force, F-O-R-S-S. And he has only got a couple of albums, but they are superb pieces. One album, Soul Hack, is like cut up jazz in a just gorgeous styles. Like it's sort of an evergreen like, album, just always seems to work. And then many years later, he did Cathedral Sound, Found Sound with choral stuff. Sounded like a sort of upmarket burial in, in a way but that was also a very uh, yeah, very very beautiful listen yeah, I keep wondering is it a dead platform or is it worthwhile plugging away at who the hell was, oh yeah Skrillex I was listening to Skrillex don't judge it was for research alright <laughs> some of it's fun Skrillex has got six and a half million followers on SoundCloud. Six and a half million. And it's like, wow, really? On SoundCloud? Yeah, there must be a lot of people out there still using SoundCloud. Bloody hell. Or six million bots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of like quickly checking out a track, I think people are more inclined to go to SoundCloud than Bandcamp somehow. It just sort of, yeah. you know, people follow certain people, don't they? And, you know, it still is a good platform. I don't hear the adverts so much these days. Are they still around? I've got a pro account, so I never hear adverts. Oh, I don't have a pro account and I still, I'm not hearing them. Because there was a thing a while back when they introduced adverts, the people had the pro accounts and it's like, oh, pay extra to not have adverts. And people that were paying for pro accounts were like, uh, sorry, we're already paying you 100 quid a year. You want us to pay more now for not having adverts? Yeah, that's, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> they had some bad PR, definitely. Yeah, when was it they found it? It was uh, mid 2000s for sure. It wasn't, it wasn't early in, I'd say 2006. It's such a simple platform. Yeah, it's like the Twitter of, of music, essentially. Yeah, the Twitter of music, there you go. I think you've nailed it, that one. Thank you. And um, it, you'd think that it would have competitors, but no, not really. Well, there's plenty of competitors out there, like hear this. Mixcloud, it's kind of a different vibe. Yeah, not really. You don't put tracks on Mixcloud. What I like about SoundCloud is the fact that it's very simple. It's, you know, the reason that people say Google has got so successful over you know Yahoo Search or Bing or whatever is because it's just got that one box and that one button, real simple. Um, and that's that's the winner because you, you look at it you know, and know exactly what's going on here. Yeah. Whereas Mixcloud, it's like, oh, you can't fast forward or rewind. It's like, oh, f- yeah. get out of my face, you know? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Go away. Unless you pay, you think you have to pay to rewind. It's bizarre, yeah. Yeah. Or Spotify, click on it on a website. It's like, oh, you can only listen to this on the app. It's like, mate, I'm in work on a web browser. Just play me the tune, yeah? Yeah, just make it all work, please, now. spot now Carl. How'd you pronounce this guy? John. Yeah, there you go. That was an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, for, for, okay, look, I'm going to be honest with you. For the first while of being into him, I was like, yeah, have you heard that new Dagon track? Dagon. Before, before I was like, this can't be right. And realized it was John. Yeah, no, yeah, he's superb. Drum funk. And uh, I first got into him with that Mac and John album. It was out on Reflex of all things, actually. And uh, it's really like sparse, nicely produced, as it would be with, with Mac behind it uh, thing. And then, and John's like come along with the more sort of breaky side of things. He's got this special style. It's very sort of, I don't know how to describe it really, but it's, it's still very like mysterious and low, but also thrashing around sometimes with the breaks. So it's this combination of things, like brooding almost. And I'll contradict myself where I said earlier, you know, I like listening to a lot of your stuff because you never know what you're going to get. Whereas with John, I feel like you always know what you're going to get. It is, isn't it? And every time it's superb. I love it. I don't think I've ever, yeah. ever heard a John track that I didn't like. It's all killer. And so, like, also, uh, I was lucky enough to remix him last year, which was just a great, great thing to be able to kind of, like, look at, you know, breaking down his track and, and making it into, twisting it into my own sort of uh, ideas. 
Japan, so I made this sort of like a Volvi mix, which kind of goes a, a bunch of different places, and uh, yeah. with John whenever I listen to a lot of his stuff I always imagine it's like a, a gangster movie chase scene type of thing you know yeah but in from an alternate reality because yeah <laughs> I mean that would be insane but yeah I mean you do get those little weird voice snippets with John as well don't you you get those little clips just hide in there in the details little echoey voice or cutting in between a few breaks they're usually quite gangstery. It's funny, I've never really paid much attention to the voice snips, but now you've said it, it's all I can hear. <laughs> yeah, right. It's weird. And then, like, making music, I'd never think to just put in, like, random snippets like that. But it, it works, you know, it just it is the right vibe for it. I don't know how he chooses his snippets. This track is slightly different to all the others on, on the, the EP album it's, it's on. The others are a lot more hard, and this one certainly does get hard, but it's got this lovely, those lovely cave-like chords just going on there. And the, the chops of the breaks are just exquisite, like just such fine, minuscule chops. <laughs> Playful. I think everyone remembers this track from the the Black Dog released album that came out on Peace Off Records mm. in um, scroll scroll um, <laughs> 2012. Was it? Sorry, 2011. Oh yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, what makes it stand out for me is the mastering here, as done by Stasmo. It's quite clearly Stasmo, right? In the mastering. Oh great. He said, reading from the Bandcamp page. <laughs> mm-hmm. amounts of sort of square pushery as a noun he's well versed in his square pushery i don't know what tools you use i'm a useless producer i've never been able to make music but one of the tools i've used is a thing called life cut i don't know if you've seen that i've never heard of it basically you put an amen or whatever into it and it chops it up and it has all the different modes and square pusher is one of the modes you're joking <laughs> yes square well, I'll have to get on that. Yeah, so basically you just stick a straightforward breakbeat into it and it just chops it up for you into... And then what I would do is record that chopped up version and then you know, bounce it and then bring it back into the door and then arrange it the way I want it. For fuck's sake, what have I been doing all these years then? Like, you know, arranging it all by hand, just chopping it piece by piece? Because when I do it, it sounds shit, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, over the years, I've used some, like, absolutely abysmal software. I was st stuck on the worst software uh, ever for, like, most of my music making. And it's only in the last, like, few years that I've got into FL Studio and actually been able to expand out nicely and not have projects just fail and lose things all the time. You're on FL Studio now, so what the hell were you using before? Yeah, FL Studio is epic. If you're trying to say that that's only FL Studio, epic. FL Studio is... No, no, what I'm saying is what we were using before that. You're telling me that FL Studio is better than Ableton or Reason? No, no, no. no. Well, yeah, for me it is because of the way I make music. So what I was using before was Orion Platinum. 
and not a lot of people have heard of that program but it, Jesus is bad and um, it's discontinued of course as, as it rightly should be but you know I just got really used to using it I could make things quickly and I needed to make things quickly and it just made sense for me so it was really hard to move on it's like everything right it's like with this radio show I've got a whole bunch of tools that I use yeah and I just haven't got the time to learn a new tool and it does what I need to do so I'm just sticking with it it's dangerous you feel like you, you you haven't got the time for it but you know that it really would save you time it's like how much do you actually want to invest into yeah and, and it's just comfortable you just you know comfortable with what you know but thank god i actually stopped i know where all the bits are and everything i think once okay if you if you're using a tool that is actually screwing you over as mine was then there comes a point where you're just like right that's it no more and i had that point about five times in my life uh, until i finally actually paid for some software and uh, and started making music on it I wanna see every torch go up I wanna see every light to go up I wanna see the most noise on this beach when you hear that bass line so Eprom, G. Jones, Demon Vale oh man there are so many ideas flying around on this track yeah and Eprom and G. Jones G. Jones the, the, the music they make as well on their own something's just unbelievably good yeah but I mean I don't know how much they've collaborated but they should more because this is just incredible stuff I, it's just really like fiery and, uh, and, and and like teary you know like tears at your ears a lot it's like a lot, a lot of those really acidic sounds I don't mean like acid the music I mean like corrosive harsh yeah that's, yeah, that's a good synonym for it, basically. Yeah, and uh, yeah, sort of sandpaper breaks, Larry, but then also you've got like, yeah, very tech stuff going on all the way through it. It's, it's one of those ones where when I'm having drinks with my mate, uh, it gets to two, three in the morning, and I always end up putting this one on, because I need a bit of break, break stuff in my life. I'm not break core exactly, jungle break core. See what I love about this, right? Is as you say, it's almost like that breakcore IDM, except it is actually danceable. Like if you were absolutely mashed, drinking whatever, you, you'd have a you'd have a whale of a time. Oh, you're just gonna let yourself go to this, you know? But it's still, it was still complex, multi-layered. You wouldn't have a dance. You'd have a rinse out. Yeah. Yeah. You have a mad old rinse, and uh, you know I'd be pulling all the faces. You know I've gone to I've gone to like bang faces or other gigs where like something like this comes on, and it's just like, oh, it stops you in your tracks, and you're just like, oh, the crunchiness, just so good, so good. Well, I I did play this track in my set at Bangface 2020. Um, well then there you go oh no i wasn't there at 2020 bollocks but yeah, i was gonna say no i wish oh was you not oh, well, i was also gonna say i played at like two o'clock on a saturday afternoon so that's <laughs> right oh well that's perfect time for damon vale demon vale yeah there's a great tune by g jones as well called time oh yeah i know i know it yet oh man that one's that one is that literally top 10 of all time tunes for me christ yeah I like that the album it came on the rest of it yeah i can see why people like it but it's not for me but that one tune time by g jones oh mm, mm-hmm. yeah it does seem like he's up to game there i, I, I remember it yeah um and i see Eprom's played bang face a few times and on the bang face threads on facebook someone suggested g jones and i'm like yeah absolutely like you know that'd be yeah just get them to play like a 20 minute version of demon veil that's fine I'm so excited for like you know the bang face is just it's just sold out without any lineup and I guess it's done that before but the the, the rate the sheer speed at which it's sold out and now we've got everyone just waiting for the first wave lineups I'm, I'm so pumped I'm so pumped for it to my memory I don't think it has ever sold out before announcing the lineup yeah there's like one wave isn't there yeah the second and third chalet has gone pretty quick like you know but um I've never seen it actually sell out overflow to a hotel and they haven't even asked the lineup it's gonna be what do you think of that hotel idea though isn't it just gonna be chaos i'm glad i got a chalet i wouldn't really fancy the whole bus ride back and all that sort of stuff um, i bet you never, never thought you'd say that because those chalets have been <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> grim <laughs> it's like uh, a post-acoblictic world but a good one i tell you what's gonna happen people are gonna go there put the belongings in the room lock the room get on the bus and not return until monday <laughs> 
basically yeah you could definitely do it if, if you were people were paying to to go to the festival not to like have somewhere to stay people could just kip on the floor can't they like of course they will it's not like that the floor will be that much more comfortable than the beds anyway carl brown this guy carl brown's kyoto acid kyoto <laughs> no, I'm deliberately winding you up there. <laughs> Tell me a bit about it. Why did you pick this one out, apart from the blatant advertising? Because uh, it's coming out on a record. <laughs> I'm really pleased with it. Just, It's one of these things where it came together in my head and, and came out pretty quickly the way I, I expected it to. And just in terms of just, I mean, I wanted to do a series of tracks with different sort of world ideas. And on the EP, there's also like a between Middle Eastern and Indian, basically. But but this one obviously is Japan. And then I have a wonderful uh, guy who was once my my keyboard teacher, who lives in Japan and plays fantastic shakuhachi. And he is also on the track. And that was just a beautiful addition to it, which really sort of cherry on top it, and uh, just all works. How are you making your acid? Uh, well, what you need to do is you get a compound of... No, I was trying to make a joke about making acid. Um, <laughs> so you mean the actual, like, 303 sounds? The, the actual the sounds, yeah. I use... I can't remember what I used on this one. I think I tried to use a few different VSTs, but the actual inbuilt FL Studio one called... I think it's just called Baseline is really good if you put it through the right, like, amps and filters. And just basically, when I make something with acid sounds I want to sort of screw around with it as much as possible and put every mm-hmm. parameter into uh, I was going to say into question <laughs> put every parameter into chaos and try and sort of make something from that chaos just chaosify lots of things and then try and bring it all back together because a good sounding acid I think that's with the VSTs it's always hard to find a good sounding one I know, and, and a lot of people consider it all sacrilege anyway, like... Oh, gotcha. Well, what, what can I do? I'm not going to, you know, I can't get into hardware. That's that's money, and I'm not going to do it. Four grand for a piece of hardware is a bit much, yeah. Exactly, and and so I'm just, I'm really happy with being able to create what I can. I, you know, it would be an absolute nightmare. And then you've got, like, moving house with it, you've got playing gigs with it. No, just put it all in the laptop. I'm fine, thanks. making tracks like how do you start where's your inspiration come from like you're looking at a blank page what happens next okay well i suppose to be honest a lot of inspiration comes from like getting some new software you know if i get something and it sounds really like a metal guitar this is a really boring answer but it's true like then i'm like oh well then if this is shit if this is possible if i can make a guitar that actually sounds like this i can make a track that sounds like a, a western like style thing and uh then it's just like bringing everything together but there are like things with better stories of inspiration certainly like you know I, there was i used to be in a, a great odd band and we had like a really funky track that we never recorded and i made that into a whole like funk album and uh yeah and other things i just you know as as a genuine artist just get a just an idea just laying there awake at night and i think oh what about what if that tuning was like you know what if i put this scale like with this vst would i be able to do that compression i'm just kind of like you know that's how that's how like artists should that's how you imagine it being as opposed to just like downloading a new like 808 and going oh that's a nice rhythm and then just turns into something eventually (laughs) i I went all the way from uh, it's all bollocks to like really fancy farty arty like uh, in one in one sentence and then went back down again
the reason I ask these questions is I think it's interesting to hear the process because other people may be working on a process, up and coming people, and they're like, actually, that they might be doing something, thinking it's the wrong way of doing it, and then hear that someone like yourself is doing it and then going, ah, okay, well, maybe I'll keep doing it this way, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've done things the wrong way for, yeah, like most of, most of my music making. So uh, I, I wouldn't say there is no wrong way. There is, and I've done it. Well, it's all in the eye of the beholder, right, at the end of the day. So, see, there'd be plenty of people out there who would make music and they'd be classically trained and they knew what they're doing and, and you know, they'd, they'd done all the courses and they'd try to make off nonchalantly, like, oh, yeah, you know, just throw it all together. Uh, whereas you're trying to apologise for just throwing it all together. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on the other hand, my ability to play piano and, like, imagine chords and notes, I can't imagine, mate, like, so there's a lot of, that like make really good electronic music but then when it comes to like the melody side can get a bit lost whereas for me melody is just like it, it's there and I can kind of access it so for that style I mean it's not like I'm classically trained as such but like having the keyboard jazz and classical training I do definitely like influences how melodic I can go if you know what I mean how are you pronounced this one Let me have a quick look at this a second is this guy from where's this guy from that's the first question right you're going to pronounce this one? Oh, Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he lives in America, but yeah. I was thinking it might be Dutch or something, you know? Yeah, no, but that's a, I think it's a mathematical term is his name, ah, which you still haven't pronounced. That explains it then. So, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Gaskepa. Why have you put a purr on the end of that? All right, like, I would say Gaskepa. Gaskepa. That makes more sense. Yeah, that that makes more sense. Yeah, I'm trying to read this pronunciation guide in Wikipedia. Guess yeah. Oh well, they're always confusing. Uh, I look at those as part of my job sometimes, and yeah, they're 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 a bit too much. Hmm. And when I found the person on SoundCloud, not a huge following. How did you find this? Oh. It was my mate. No, no, he's not my mate. Sorry. I mean, but uh, yeah, just, you know, how do you find most things? Mates introduce you to them. And uh, no, he's got like some uh, EPs and albums and he makes a lot of his stuff on, uh, I think there's a special kind of mobile app. So he's not using like a lot of programs that other producers would, would use. And he's always got like this weird tuning going on. And like, he's got some really nice, I mean, this one's quite upbeat, but he's got some really good, like ploddy, kind of ploddy dance ones with like really like, yeah, odd tuning and everything. Great. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, I always think it's a crying shame, really, when you find a lot of these artists and they should have a hundred times the following that they do have, you know? There's so much good music out there. Absolutely. I mean, earlier, John Camille Farrar, uh, Pobosk, which we started with, an absolute colossal shame. He should be, he's incredible. And it's not just like, okay, you know, you could say like, oh, this guy's great, this guy's great. But it's when you recognize uh, an, an artistic level there and a sort of integrity and like they've been plowing on with it for like decades and you just think, how, how? Why, why, are they, why do not more people know of this? Yeah, I mean, I, say, I say I love it, but I mean, you know, you see these people that are just sticking at it, sticking at it, um, even though they're not getting the recognition they deserve, just for the art of it, like, you know, it's, it's amazing to see. Yeah. What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. Secret Chefs 3, is that the name of the artist or the album? Chefs? Are you determined to like just mispronounce every single artist? <laughs> the Secret Chefs. Chiefs. Oh, I've never heard of that. Chiefs. Secret Chiefs 3. So these guys were originally an offshoot of uh, Mr. Bungle, uh, Trey Spurance, wow. uh, the man the man behind them. And they do a plethora of uh, terrifying and wonderful styles. A lot of it with a uh, Middle Eastern theme. They're heavily into uh, a lot of like you know, mythology. And if you read like their CD booklets, they, they go on and on about various uh, secret cabals and schemes. And uh, this, they, they then split up in a, into satellite bands, several satellite bands, as they called them. One of them, which was called Holy Vem, which produces the more metal side. They're promising a whole metal Vem, a uh, Holy Vem album. Uh, sometime, but they promise a lot of things, and uh, these things are usually either delayed by years or never see the light of day. And uh, they're superb. 
they're so all over the place and well produced and bonkers and fun and clever i've seen them live three three nights in a row and they're just a uh, force to be reckoned with yeah, like it's sort of because of it, speed courier or like various different styles. Yeah. Yeah. In choosing tracks for this, there is no such thing as a representational secretaries free track. There's uh, honestly, it's like it is like five different bands, all of which are splendid in their own delightful way. Yeah, I think it was Stansman that picked up uh, Mr. Bungle tune, and it was again like that. It was it was yeah, interesting stuff I've never heard before. Yeah, I listened to that one. Yeah. You never heard Mr. Bungle? No, never before, no. It's hugely influential on a, 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 a huge range of uh, musicians, and I think uh, they sort of got back together after a huge hiatus, but I mean, those original albums, California, and uh, yeah, that, that sort of era, just amazing, like madcap, oddball production. I'm just wondering where this is going, <laughs> it's just weird. Tell you what, I mean, here's what I can quite happily pronounce and get correct in all regards. I'm pretty certain uh, this is Piss Tank. What? This 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 artist is called Peace Tank. The, the name of the title of the track is we're just calling punching something something something. We're just calling it punching, and that's that's what it is. It's just that. Yeah, this is as far as as much of a banger as I can I can think of. And uh, it was between this and SpongeBob SquareWave, who you know is another one of those three in the morning. Yes, please, let's have a banger. Yeah, goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, goes without saying. But I think we all know we all know and love SpongeBob SquareWave's work. Indeed we do, and she did. This tank bit of, bit of something different. I thought I'd put this at the end, end of the show, go out in a bang like. What can I say? It is a banger. That's that. Done. I love the breakcore aesthetic of coming up with the most offensive thing you could possibly imagine. Titling as well. I don't know who this guy is. I mean, I tried to read up on him and stuff. I mean, just seemed to like produce a few tracks, be on uh, Cock Rock Disco, and then, and then start off. Maybe he has like aliases or something, but... <laughs> Who is this guy? He's great. Well, this track in particular is great. I think there's only like three that I've heard. It's got this like, you've got all this like uh, sort of faux trance mel- uh, melody styles. And uh, not to just talk all over it and ruin the bit that it goes into, but after this build, the mayhem and the screams of the like the breakcore section is just so much like raucous fun. It's, just, it's a riot, fucking riot. Andrew White. He runs Irritant Records. Well, there you go. <laughs> Looking up Irritant Records. Yeah, uh, the irritantrecords.com doesn't exist anymore, so that's not a good, uh, good. Uh... Right, have we got Discogs? Yes. Irritant Label is, yeah, Hardcore Electro Doom Breakcore. That sounds like it could be that. Yeah, they've got some of the same. Uh, they've got artists like Cumshot and Fighting Pig Learns Judo Tricks. Henry Kissinger, War Criminal, 
so that must be them. And uh... I think one of my favorite labels for naming was definitely Shitwank Records. It's like pure genius because it's because it's quite because quite simple. You know, it's just shit and it's wank. It is simple. That's up there. <laughs> Two words which don't quite go together, but uh, just combination is quite art- art- artistically, yeah. But what horrendous imagery, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with breakcore, isn't it? It has got that uh, a certain aspect of comedy breakcore is just silly and often toilet-based um, stuff. Or like just being offensive. You know, it's offensive music, isn't it? Mm. And this certainly plays into that perception. So, Carl, 2022, bang face. Looking forward to that. I'll be there. Oh, my God, so much. It's just, I don't know how I'm going to even deal with my levels of excitement when it actually happens. Because, yeah, it's been a long time. And obviously, we nearly got to the end of the episode with mentioning it. But, like, obviously, it's been like a whole year of... uh, not much gigs going on. I'm going to see Square Pusher this Friday, which I'm enormously excited about. And then, yeah, bam, 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 bam. I always wait for people to say bang face. I don't say it first, so, you know. I think you started it yeah. within five minutes of the show, so. Quite rightly. If you're going to have, like, a brave electronic show, I mean, why, why don't you just start it with bang face? That's good, isn't it? All right, Carl, well, thanks for taking the time to talk us through 15 fabulous tunes, lots of different styles and difficult to pronounce names. A pleasure. A pleasure to mispronounce. Good stuff, mate. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you soon, hopefully, uh, in May 2022. Yeah, catch you there, mate. All right, cheers now. Bye now. Bye.